so he's a left tackle too, but he's also a reporter. Jason Peters said that Larry Borm and Tevin Jenkins are ready to go. Matt Nagy's probably going to be super mad. Joe's face is so zoomed into his camera, it's unbelievably ridiculous. It's like, my God, and he's still apparently like an arm's length away. Sammy's here. He's got the same glasses on as Joe, except it's a uh, brown frame. Joe's got a white one. I've got my typical glasses on, too. So it's the glasses gang, too. It's also hoodie season in Illinois. So hoodie gang's officially back. But what's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Be sure to check out our parent company, Empire Sports Media, as well as our sponsor, Audacia Sports. Go get your Justin Field stick. You can follow myself, Joe, and Sam on Twitter at Usaid Kosho at Shy Sports Sam and at Joseph Herf NFL. Joe thinks he's clearly better than everyone. That's why he's flexing his uh, Illinois State t-shirt as well as his Twitter handle is now in his Zoom bio, which is incredibly stupid because this is Zoom, not StreamYard. Use this for meetings. You shouldn't be casually plugging in. You use Zoom for work meetings. You shouldn't be casually plugging in your damn Twitter handle on a work meeting platform, obviously. All right, to be fair, I do not use Zoom for work. We use uh, Cisco WebEx, and I also do not use I do not use my uh, my new my new gaming laptop for uh, my work meetings. So I had to plug it in because sometimes you know you make those guest appearances on podcasts. So I just had it saved, you know. So, but uh, how are you guys how are you guys doing today? I'm tired. I just got back from a wedding. Um, and I'm trying to get reacclimated, um, and uh, I'm sort of glad I missed part of this game because I tried to tune in on my phone and saw that it was five minutes in and the Bears were already down and uh, endured through the rest of it, but uh, a little tired, but happy to be here, as always, on a lovely Tuesday night. Of course, you guys will all be listening to this on Wednesday, so time is irrelevant. Hey, are you guys going to the Bears 49ers game this weekend? No, I'm not. No, I'm going to the Bears. Going to the Bears Cardinals. Oh, that's nice. You're gonna freeze your butt off in that December cold. But oh, um, I gotta go see. I gotta go see my boy. He went to my high school, Chris Shubler. Yeah, this dummy's like, I'm gonna go see Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, and it's gonna be a great game. I don't care about Justin Fields. But anyways, enough of us messing around because we were literally yelling at each other before we started recording this. This is typically how our shows go anyway. Or before we start recording, it's just. Me, Joe, and Sam yelling at each other back and forth in the chat. And then yelling at each other for a couple minutes. Because I really sometimes don't want to see these guys. I really, really don't. Okay? But I also have a really good friend of mine that uh, I just go ahead and text FU to pretty much every single day. And then me and him talk on the phone because we're really close. And then what happens is this is we consider that healthy dialogue between us. But anyways, this is how it's going to go down. Listen, I mean, Bears Bucks happened. Myself and Max Smith previewed it on our YouTube channel. Go check it out. But Sam, first things first, right? Why did Jesper Horstead drop what could have been a game-changing touchdown pass? I mean, why did Cole Komet drop a what could have been a huge third down conversion? Why did Darnell Mooney let a ball tip off his fingertips that led to one of three Justin Fields interceptions? There's a lot of questions that could uh, remain unanswered because uh, it's a what if situation. Um, and all in all seriousness, though, obviously I am a uh, Jesper Horstead fan club member, but uh, you do need to make those uh, opportunities when you get them. That would have been a huge touchdown for the Bears, who uh, scored only three points. Uh, for context, the 0-7 Lions scored 19 against the Rams, uh, which the Bears only were able to score 14 against. So, uh, yeah, no, um, definitely a play that he needs to make, but uh, I'm not going to 
hang too much on that because believe me, he is not the only guy who made plenty of mistakes on uh, Sunday. Sunday's game uh, is definitely one that you uh, you want to forget about. But unfortunately, we are Bears content creators, so we have to discuss it. Yeah, definitely the Jesper Horsehead drop. I wouldn't even – if you consider all the drops that happened that game, that definitely was probably the hardest pass to catch. I mean, Mooney's hit him right in the hands and went straight up in the air. I, I had a little – quarrel i guess i'd say on twitter with a few people it definitely was a poorly poorly placed ball doesn't mean it was a perfect ball doesn't mean it was a bad ball it just could have been placed better mooney makes that catch routinely it was a drop and it went up for an interception he also had another drop and again like you said earlier colcomet had that drop too so i just think it came down to honestly with that drop just it seemed like the team wasn't prepared seemed like they weren't ready for the game they had a lot of a lot of stupid mistakes early on so we'll get into that but I'm not really upset with Horsehead dropping that. It was just mainly one of his only plays of the game, and they throw a, throw a fade route to him in the end zone. You don't really expect him to make it on his first, basically first and only play of the game. And you know what's so funny is that I literally put that bullet point there to mess with you guys because, like, I don't care. I genuinely don't care. I mean, this is just a team that I've seen what it is at this point. I just put it there to mess with you guys, and you guys took it so seriously, which was so, so funny as Joe sits there sipping on his, like, $8 you know, propel sparkling water, whatever it is. But he's a fancy guy, right? But then he gives me crap for drinking free Starbucks all the time. But anyways, look, what pissed me off about that concept and that route was that, and I'm only doing this because you guys got so serious about it. The stupid thing about it was that there's bigger tight ends than Jesper Horset on this roster, right? So if you look at it, I mean, JP Holtz, Jesse James, Cole Komet, Jimmy Anti-Vaxxer Graham, who was out because of COVID reasons. I mean, there's three other tight ends on this roster that probably should have been running that route and that would have had a better chance against that Bucks defensive backs. It was like an eighth-string guy because the Bucks secondary is so injured. So, like, why even use Jesper Horstead to run it? And this isn't me trashing Jesper Horstead, but, like, unfortunately, I think the Bears coaching staff needs to come to a lot of realizations. But one of the biggest realizations that they have to come to is that these tight ends are so uninvolved in the passing game. It's absolutely freaking ridiculous. Like Cole Komet's the only guy that probably would have even had a chance on that route. Maybe Jimmy, or I'm sorry, maybe Jesse James or JP Holtz. Jesper Horse said being like 6'3", 230, 240. He's just the type of tight end that you do put in the slot because compared to other tight ends in the league, I mean, yeah, 6'3", 230, 240 is somewhat smaller, all right? Not the size of a guy like a Kyle Pitts or a George Kittle. You know, those guys are also better athletes. But then again, it's just like, you know, you got to learn to use your talent to the best of its abilities and develop it. Now, speaking of using your talent and developing it to the best of your abilities, because this is such a fan base that just loves to bludgeon and bludgeon and bludgeon the quarterback whenever things go wrong and never the head coach. Although that narrative is slowly, slowly changing because more and more people are now realizing that the most college ready quarterback to come out of the NFL draft in probably five or six years or since or the most pro ready to come out in the NFL draft since pretty much Deshaun Watson is having trouble. People are realizing that it's now more Matt Nagy than anyone, but because Bears fans just like to start any narrative and go with it, I'm going to go to Jolly Joe on this one because happy holidays, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, Christmas music is already on at my local Jewel Osco. But anyways, the point is this, right, is that like Bears fans are saying that Justin Fields is Mitch Trubisky 2.0. So, Jojo, why is this narrative the dumbest thing you've ever heard on the planet? 
So let's set a few things straight. You can, there are comparisons that you can make between Justin Fields and Mitch Trubisky, but it does not make him the same player in any way, shape, or form. The only thing you can compare it to is that they were both young quarterbacks coming into the NFL. They both needed a, a good offense to cater to them because they're young, just like every young quarterback in the NFL. They had issues coming in. They were differing issues, but they had issues coming in. They both were bound to a very bad team from the Bears. They both had bad something around them where Mr. Bisky had the bad wide receiver group, but he had a good running back at Jordan Howard and a good offensive line. When it comes to Justin Fields, he has okay wide receivers, okay offensive line, solid running back group, but there's still weaknesses there. So there, are, there is a fair comparison you can make between those two, but they're not the same in the one way, a main way. Justin Fields has more physical and mental tools than Trubisky ever had in his career. Justin Fields is more athletic. He's stronger. He's got a stronger arm. He's faster. He's got a better pocket presence already than Trubisky's almost nearly ever had. That doesn't mean that Trubisky's a bad quarterback. He just is more ready. He has different abilities. But Fields definitely has the better chance to grow and develop than Trubisky ever did, just given these raw tools. Now, whether the Bears can get somebody in, whether the Bears can bring somebody in to complete this development, make it work out, that remains the question. But they really need to figure out what they're going to do within the next few months here in terms of they don't want to ruin anything. You're like, they could possibly ruin Trubisky. And let's let's talk about that whole comparing the two situations. In 2018, the Bears made moves to improve their offense. They brought in Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton. They drafted James Daniels, and they extended – I think they extended Cody Whitehair. They might have already done that. But they brought in pieces, in essence. And Mitch Trubisky took a step forward. Now, did it end up working out in the end? No. And I think there's a lot of reasons to blame for that. But ultimately, Mitch took a step in the right direction. I would argue that a rookie, Justin Fields, could have similar success in the 2018 offense than second-year Mitch Trubisky. What we're looking at is we're looking at a rookie quarterback who's had five career starts, multiple against very good defenses, with schemes that haven't worked, injuries on the offense, and is making rookie quarterback mistakes. I obviously want to see him play better because I am a believer that Justin Fields can be the guy. Obviously, Sunday wasn't enjoyable, and I definitely think there are moments that Fields made a what I would call rookie quarterback mistake, but you got to understand the man's run for his life. I mean, you're, you're playing a right, your four-string right tackle who, according to reports today, basically wasn't prepared to be playing in that position, but an emergency because of COVID had to be slotted in, and I'm not trying to make a singular excuse here. I'm just giving an example of what Fields is working with. And, and I think ultimately we're going to talk about some elements of why the offense isn't working. But again, you kind of have to look to the coaching staff again, because yes, Matt Nagy probably wouldn't have picked Mitch Trubisky if he had a choice of those three quarterbacks, but he also took the head coaching job for the Bears in 2018, knowing Mitch was going to be his guy. And now he has had multiple options for who he for Mitch. He got Andy Dalton, which may or may not have had a say. He had a say in who the Bears picked at quarterback this year and ultimately had a say in who got to start this year. And there's no longer really any excuses for it. Now, to say that Justin Fields is Mitch Trubisky 2.0 for five starts, if you're living under that narrative, uh, enjoy the extra misery, I guess, because being a Bears fan right now is miserable as it is. But if you're giving up on a rookie quarterback this quickly, you probably don't deserve a franchise quarterback because 
there's absolutely no guarantee that Justin Fields is or isn't going to be the guy, but the guy has played in five career starts in the NFL. And we've seen glimpses and moments where he has looked very, very, very good. Is he perfect? Is he great? No, he absolutely is struggling with a lot of things right now. But to say he's Mitch Trubisky 2.0, you're just asking for more misery. And misery is company. Yeah, and the other thing, too, I just wanted to kind of touch on, we're just really, the only real, the other real comparison we're seeing is we're seeing both quarterbacks being held back and used incorrectly by the coach. And that's kind of what the main thing is that, at least if I'm ever making a comparison, that's the only comparison I'm really making because we're already seeing it. I mean, Justin Fields has been his best in play action. There, a stat came out. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but he's been nearly perfect in play action. And so was Trubisky. And we see time and time again, Nagy just going away from the play action and his scheme and not catering it. He's having Fields make these quick throws, which again, he does need to develop correct, but he still needs to be able to do the things that he's best at, which is airing the ball downfield, throwing those deep crosser routes that take a little bit of time to develop. It's just, there's just a scheme issue. And it's kind of the only real comparison you can make, but like you were saying, Fields is not Trubisky. He's not the same player. You can't make that same assumption after five starts. If that's the case, then guys like Patrick Mahomes are Mr. Trubisky. Patrick Mahomes didn't even start an entire year. What does that say about him? Like, I mean, Justin Herbert did only got the job over Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod Taylor got his lung punctured. Does that make him Mr. Trubisky? No, no, it doesn't. Just because that they start on the bench and then they eventually take over, they might struggle a little early. They might do amazing to start. It doesn't matter. Every prospect is different in their own way. Okay, look. So if you go back and <clears throat> if you go back and you look at a lot of what Mitch Trubisky struggled with, what were issues that people had? I mean, and I'm just going to list off some of the big ones, right? There were accuracy was certainly one. The inability to hit the deep ball consistently in an offense where you need the deep ball and in a pass-happy league where you're not going to win unless you have those explosive plays that are basically built on the deep throws down the field to your speedy wide receivers. It was the inability to read defenses. It was just a lack of awareness of what was going on and when. It was a lack of inability to basically execute when it mattered most. Those are five to six things right there that Mitch Trubisky struggled with. And it was also a lack of being unable to read defenses. So a couple things that Mitch Trubisky struggled with. When you look at Justin Fields through the five starts, this kid's not Mitch Trubisky 2.0. And it's unfair that he's even being given that label. But the only reason he's being given that label is because when things aren't going right in Chicago, who becomes the punching bag? I mean, it is the quarterback automatically, all right? Sometimes it's the head coach, but more often than not, it's the quarterback. Sometimes it's the head coach and the quarterback, okay? I mean, look at what they did with Jay Cutler. Literally ran the guy out of town, and then he's on, I think it's Big Cat and PFT Commentators Podcast for Barstool basically talking about how, yeah, you know, I feel more appreciated now that I don't play in the city of Chicago than I did when I was actually there. But getting back to Mitch and Justin here, if you look at Justin, he's shown the ability to be accurate with throws. He's shown the ability to hit the deep ball consistently. He's shown the ability to read and pick up defenses. When he's up there at the post-game presser, and I'm listening to him talk after every single game, and he's basically talking about how, oh, yeah, this is the coverage the defense was in. This is what I need to do. This is what I have to identify. The fact that he's able to identify that pretty much right after the game speaks volumes as to how quickly he's learned. And so this whole notion of, 
Justin Fields is Mr. Trubisky 2.0. It's just an unfair and a stupid label that he doesn't deserve. Because again, Trubisky didn't start till week five of his rookie season. And he was benched week three of his fourth season. So basically, he got, what, three full seasons to showcase what he was capable of doing. Because again, he didn't play for whatever, you know, five, six, seven games in year four. Didn't play for about... 12 total games, and that's not including the injuries that he had in his career, which there's like one or two games he missed every single year. The point is, though, is that if we gave Mitch Trubisky essentially three full seasons to prove himself, we need to give Justin Fields three full seasons too. And this isn't me saying that, okay, you know what? Justin's magically going to take off. Obviously, you know, he's one year of Justin Fields in 2019 at Ohio State you could argue is more than Mitch Trubisky ever did in the one year at North Carolina. That's number one. And number two, I think people also have to understand something is that Justin's 2019 season at Ohio state, his first season with the Buckeyes was arguably one of the better college seasons by any of these quarterbacks that have been drafted over the last like five to six years. And that if Justin had declared for the 2020 draft, you could argue that he would have probably been with his tools, his athleticism, his potential. He probably would have been ahead of Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert in that class right up there as with Joe Burrow as QB1 too. So the point is you have an immensely talented prospect. It's unwise to compare him to a guy that's basically, you know, never really took off in Chicago. Whereas with Justin, we've seen more potential and promise in five starts than we've seen in whatever three years we had with Mitch Trubisky or three and a half years, whatever you want to call it. Now, speaking of the potential and growth, I mean, Joe, I'm going to bounce this one to you. What growth did you see from Justin on Sunday afternoon? Because there were certainly some, but I think that people are looking at that final stat line, 184 yards going 22 for 32, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, and then saying, oh, yeah, well, this is a bad stat line. And I didn't know that all of a sudden stat lines are now a factor that gets deter- or a determining factor for quarterback development. I think it's hard to say that we really saw a lot, if any, growth from Fields. There just wasn't anything in that game to see growth. Like, it's nothing against Fields. He didn't do anything wrong, but he there's nothing really of substance in that game that could have shown that he grew at all. And again, that's more on the coaching staff. That's more on the game script. That's more of what happened. We got blown out. Like, it's that simple. We got absolutely ran off the field. We couldn't even score a touchdown. We It, it was just embarrassing. Like, he he looked he looked like normal to me. I didn't see anything specific that he did better. He did worse. I mean, he he still needs to work on getting the ball out quick, regardless of how bad that right tackle situation is. There were times where he didn't get the ball quick enough and threw the ball late on plays. But he's still obviously he's going to get better. He's it's just hard to gauge it when you're playing the best in the NFL. You're playing a defense as good as that defense against that front seven that against our weak offensive line. It's just hard to see growth from from him against a team like this. We're we're gonna have to turn to teams like the 49ers, we might see a little more another step forward or um when we play the Lions again, teams like that. But when you play a team like when you play a team like the Buccaneers, it's kind of hard to see growth. Yeah, I mean, I'll take it from a, a non-playing perspective. Fields has spoken to the press every single game and basically is being put into a position where he is forced to accountability. I was I was reading about this uh from an article in the athletic and and that's really tough to do. Like you, in essence, have to go. He's in essence going out after every game, and having to basically 
take responsibility for, you know, the lack of production on offense and are things on that side of things, his fault. Absolutely. But you know, he ultimately, he's been saying, you know, he, he's very professional and he does a good job of that kind of stuff. And that's, that's hard to do as a rookie quarterback. I mean, it's always hard to do. It's always hard to be up to go up there and basically have people tell you, Hey, your team sucked today. Can you tell us why? And he has to answer. But I think I liked the quote. I, I'm not going to say it specifically because I don't remember off the top of my head, but I like the quote today where he's like, I'm not used to losing. So you just got to keep working harder. And like the kid's tough mentally, like it, it's very hard not to root for him. And I think that is growth that obviously isn't in terms of like how he's playing on the field. And it kind of goes back to the whole like preseason storylines with Mitch where guys would be like, oh, he looks great. Like, like, I think we're going to see a new year with him. And then we did not But, you know, ultimately you're hoping that your rookie quarterback can be in that sort of mindset, good or bad. And in terms of what he did in the game, again, I think it's a very good point. It's very hard to evaluate him generally right now. Um, I know Darren Olofsky had some comments on that today. Um, but I, I mean, I think when he does step back in the pocket and has a little bit more time to throw, I think he does look really good. Um, I, I would like for him to work on some things for sure, but ultimately it is very hard to evaluate his game. Um, but also ultimately on the outside of things with just talking to the media and, and just being an athlete, not on the field. I, I think he does a very good job. I think he's very professional and I think he takes accountability really, really well. Yeah, he's a good guy and he's a hard worker, which is exactly why Bears fans have kind of gone ahead and labeled him Mitch Trubisky 2.0. But listen, there were instances of growth. Now, I want to flash back to two simple scenarios, and I wrote about this on Fireside Bears, so you should go check out this article too. But I basically talked about, how, hey, listen, was their growth to the point where you're like, okay, he's taking the next step? Absolutely not. But then again, it's just like sometimes all the little things matter. There's two instances I want to mention. Number one, I mean, what was an issue with Justin earlier in the season? He would, and in the preseason too, he would basically take off and he would just rush and he would use his legs, which is great. But then the problem is that one, he wouldn't be holding on to the ball and there was always a chance of a fumble or number two, he would try to use the spin move and absolutely get rocked. Now, what did he do this time? And I'm not sure if you guys caught this, but I think there's like a 12 yard run that he had where all he did was basically slide down because he saw a couple Buccaneer defenders in front of him. Okay. That's growth right there because you know what? It shows, Hey, this is what I'm supposed to be doing in this situation rather than try to pick up an extra three or four yards which may be great let me just keep this drive alive let me just go ahead and slide down right here protect myself and my body okay keep myself in the game longer and then you look at the second situation and this one was the first Allen robinson interception look did Allen robinson slip yeah did justin Fields stumble just a bit on that play yeah but i also think that one of the things no one kind of was talking about was that it did rain a bit before the game and so naturally that field in tampa bay was going to be wet regardless of what the situation does because it's always raining in florida for some reason just ask our guy max man it seems like every time i'm recording with him like it's raining and you just hear the thunderstorms in the background 
But the reason I bring that play up is because that A-Rob interception or what was an interception, quote-unquote, was the second straight week that there were 12 men on the defense on the field. And so Justin realized and saw, hey, this is an opportunity for a free play. And for him to recognize those things situationally as a rookie is growth because what you're seeing is this is you're seeing a quarterback who's really situationally smart. You're seeing a quarterback who knows and understands, okay, when there's 12 guys on the field, this is what I can do with it. And let's just be honest about something, guys. I mentioned this last Last week, and I'm going to mention the same thing again, is that how many times has Aaron Rodgers made a living off of those plays where it's just like there's 12 men on the field? How many times has he done that and basically taken a free play? And how many times has it been against Mark Trestman and the Bears or during the Mark Trestman era? The point is, is that that's all growth from fields that, yeah, it may not show in the fancy stat line. There might not be a fancy stat line yet. Like, okay, you know, 450 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, and there may not be any of that, but ultimately there was growth. And then if you look at fields passing numbers, so he was 22 of 32, right? So you could argue this right now that he really only should have had five or six incompletions and not like 10 full incompletions. The reason is because how many drops did he have, right? So the point is his field stat line's getting a bad rep, but there's certainly growth. And there's even growth in terms of him just knowing that these NFL windows are tighter and how many of those balls that he throws are basically on point. I mean, talk about the accuracy as well as the ball placement, the ability to know, hey, in terms of the timing, when to get the ball out. And then also, there were instances I noticed this too, where Justin seemed to be getting the ball out much, much quicker than he was in weeks past, which is that encouraging because he needs to play faster? Yeah, is he playing up to full speed right now? Absolutely not. But hey, he's looking good so far. And so there were instances of growth, but it's ultimately, you know what? Some people don't deem it to be enough. So let's talk about this, guys. I mean, Justin Fields growing is one thing, but another thing that's seemingly working for the Bears and has grew into a part of the offensive identity has been the rushing attack. I mean, David Montgomery went down. Everyone's panicking. Kola Herbert comes out, has another strong game, has 18 or 19 carries for 100 yards, averaging just under six yards a carry. Joe, let's go to you on this one first. I mean, do the Bears actually have something on offense that's working? And what are the implications of a rushing attack as the calendar turns to November, December, and two games here in January comes in Chicago come January. I think with the Bears that an offense in terms of running the ball was greatly impressive. Um, I think teams are not necessarily giving us the run, but I think they're more leaning towards the pass just because they know if they get too lead early, we're going to have to start throwing the ball. And they're kind of implementing what the Bears have kind of had of themselves in the past of kind of the bend, not break where they kind of give up the, the short, like slowly gain up the field and just wait for you to make a dumb mistake, which we did multiple times against the Bucs. So the rushing yards, again, incredibly impressive. I think Will Herbert's a stud. I think he's a perfect fit for this for this scheme. So very happy like in terms of how he's looked, how the run blocking has worked in general. I thought our run blocking overall has been spectacular. I'm very happy with how we've looked overall in that. I think Juan Castillo has done a great job here. Obviously, we need to see improvements of the pass blocking, but regardless, the rushing attack has been solid. It's impressive to do that against the Bucs, who obviously the Bucs, they're one of the best rush defenses in the NFL. So to do that against guys like Vita Vea and Adamakin Sue, um, the inside linebackers, obviously Levante David, I believe, was out of one of the two starting inside linebackers. I can't remember which one it was, but the one of the studs was out. So that is a help, but regardless... I, it's a solid rushing offense. We just need a run play action off it. Like 
once we get that play action play action moving off it, we're calling those more and fields gets to use that our offense could be nearly unstoppable yeah no uh i was gonna say like the bucks i think have the number one run defense or if they is it number one it's like top five so the fact that a six round rookie was able to accumulate that many yards is is definitely credit to the scheme um Ultimately, I think my biggest point, and, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit, Joe, was like, why aren't we taking advantage of play action more is beyond me. Like Fields looks good when we take advantage of play action. He looks very good. And most quarterbacks look very good. It was something that that Bill Lazor did a lot with Mitch last year with the, the three span of games where the Bears were winning and they were scoring a lot in these bad defenses, but it was working. Now, obviously, you can't do it forever, but the Bears don't do it at all. And when they do, they go away from it when it's starting to work. Um, I also don't think when we talk about the run game, I think we need to talk more about why we're not scheming a rookie quarterback who runs a 4-4-40 more. Um, I, I just don't get that. Now, obviously, I don't want to see him run all the time, but Mac Jones is getting schemed runs more than Justin Fields. Um, I would put a lot of money on Justin Fields in a foot race against Mac Jones, unless there's something I missed at the Combine. Um, again, Fields is athletic. Let him use his legs a little bit. It was something that Nagy did with Mitch. I never agreed with was basically not letting him run more. Both guys are quick and I don't want to go back to the Fields Mitch narrative, but there's a comparison there when it comes to the fact that Nagy doesn't like his quarterbacks running for some reason. I'll never understand it. Um, but I mean, the scheme works and it, it clearly works with both Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. I'm excited to see what the offense looks like when we have both of them back. I mean, Khalil Herbert is definitely making Damian Williams expendable, um, which is never necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you ultimately want your rookie running backs to take over um, your scheme in terms of running the football. Um, But I think it's working, but you can't run on a team forever um, because eventually a defense is going to stop your run game. Now, I know there's exceptions. I mean, we've seen Derrick Henry just absolutely gouge defenses, but most defenses in the NFL are probably going to stop you at some point, And the bears need to take advantage of that play action. Like you said, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like we just have to allow our run game to lead us into passing situations. And we're just not doing that. And ultimately it's, you know, there's a reason why we're dead last in passing yards and passing attempts. And one of the lowest teams in terms of scoring per game, it's great that we're top 10 in rushing, but the offense still isn't working. Yeah, I've got my uh, vintage LSL background on. Sam used to be a social media manager for cold. them. I'm oh, cold. Man. I'm cold. Yeah, it's freezing outside. I'm just Uncalled joking. Uncalled for. There's a guy who probably has Spider-Man underwear on. But anyways, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Now, getting back on track here. Yeah, this running game getting going is great. And I've said this before, okay, is that you have to also open up the passing game. But, hey, it's just like, you know, my guy Dan Orlovsky said this, and he's not wrong at all. Because if you've ever played football, one of the things with play action is it basically buys a quarterback more time to, like, be able to make a play because you're basically not having the quarterback think. And so, ultimately, the point is, is it's just like if one of the things Justin needs to do is play faster and simplify the field for him – because if you simplify the field, they'll be able to play faster. You know what? Then you need to go out and you basically need to get him play action pass. Because it's some of the stuff that he's excelled at. Okay. Use the run to set the pass up. This is such basic football. It's even 101 offense. It's just like 001 offense. Use the play action. 
and the run to set each other up, okay? And then all of a sudden, you're going to have an offense that takes off because you're going to be rolling a quarterback out that's incredibly mobile, and all you're going to be doing is making the defense account for on every single play his legs. You're going to be making the defense account for pretty much Justin Fields on every single play. I mean, look, the folks over at ESPN did a great breakdown. The Chiefs were such an RPO heavy offense that what's happened now is Patrick Mahomes like is not the quarterback that everyone thought he was going to be. Okay. He's just not like, you know, he never really had time to develop into a prototypical pocket passer. Okay. Cause again, that offensive line's timing was so off and things in this game start and end with the trenches. Okay. I'm not saying the bears shouldn't use the RPO. You can use the RPO, but you also have to know when to sprinkle and play action and stuff. Okay. And so ultimately when you look at this whole thing, right, it's just like this entire offense still needs to establish timing and rhythm and Justin Fields needs timing and rhythm with his wide receivers now speaking of his wide receivers sam i mean have al robinson and darnell mooney underwhelmed this year because through seven games mooney has 27 27 receptions while a rob has just 23 which is incredibly trash by the way i i literally wrote as my first point here yes in all caps i i think i never thought the bears wide receiver core was going to be top five top ten but but you look at the what the bears brought in and and they you know they got rid of guys like riley ridley and javon wims they brought in veterans with demir bird and uh marquise goodwin and then they brought in brashad perryman obviously who is just chilling on the bench hanging out having fun um and, and i think one of the things that it, it's just so frustrating because you already are struggling on offense you're trying so desperately to develop this quarterback and there's just a lack of chemistry and a lot and just an overall inconsistency with this group. The separation is, is not good guys dropping passes this at this rate. It's, it's unacceptable, especially like, you know, there's a lot of hype around Darnell Mooney right now and he's having drops right now that part of it's not necessarily his fault, but you want to argue that he's the wide receiver one right now. And you're dropping passes like that. Like, it's a little inexcusable. And ultimately, you know, Alan Robinson made some comments today, basically saying that part of the reason why he and fields aren't on the same page is the lack of timing training camp. Now, part of that obviously may or may not be true, but part of that's kind of a BS excuse. Like if you're able to make things work with guys like Blake Bortles, there's, there's no reason to now start making excuses for why you're not on the same page as your rookie quarterback. Like, one of the biggest things I talked about prior to the season was, was the potential of that connection fields to Robinson, like how exciting that was going to be and the potential that was going to have. And like Robinson has been the safety blanket for the bears offense. And he's a total non-factor right now. I mean, I think there's fantasy leagues that guys are dropping Allen Robinson because he hasn't produced anything and he's not the only one. I'm not using him as a scapegoat, but this wide receiver group, it's not that good. And the only one on roster next year is going to be Darnell Mooney. So uh, I know, obviously, there's not a simple solution to that. I hope it's just timing. There are still 10 games left and the Bears do have a bye week coming up in a few weeks like that. That lack of chemistry and the inconsistencies can get fixed. But right now you're looking at maybe Darnell Mooney being the best receiver on this team. And even he's not having a great year. He's having an OK year. So it's getting a little frustrating and it's one of those things where like our guys being phased out of the offense. Like, are we phasing Al Robinson out of the offense? You can listen to that conspiracy theory. You want, I don't think it's true, 
But ultimately, it's just been very, very frustrating because you're already struggling on offense. And the last thing you need is just disappointing wide receiver room. But that's what the Bears have right now. I fully believe, I I had a tweet go out during the game that Darnell Mooney is the best wide receiver on the Bears. And currently, he is. Allen Robinson has been bad. Like, he hasn't just been like poor, like not, not as good as he used to be. He has been downright bad. Like, like you were saying, he's had Blake Bortles throwing the ball. He's had Chase Daniel throwing the ball. He's had other backups on the Bears throwing the ball. Nick Foles, Andy Dalton. He is not producing with Justin Fields. And there should be no excuse. When you're an elite wide receiver, you produce with no matter who is that quarterback. We saw DeAndre Hopkins for years produce on the Texans when they had their rotation of quarterbacks coming in before Deshaun Watson. You've seen, I mean, we, we've seen multiple times just high-end wide receivers. No matter where they go, they'll go multiple. Brandon Cook's on a different team every single year, and he gets 1,000 yards every single year. Good wide receivers find a way to produce no matter who the quarterback is. And Al Robinson is not producing. It's because he seems like he doesn't care to start. Like I, I'm so fed up with the way he plays his game. He does no blocking on the perimeter. He takes no pride in doing that. High-end guys like Julio Jones, if he's not blocking, he's going to find somebody to block. You watch him on the Titans even right now. He's not producing, but he makes incredible blocks on the edges. He sets up screen plays for A.J. Brown. He doesn't care that he's not getting the ball. He's getting his teammate A.J. Brown wide open to produce. And they shredded the Chiefs, and he didn't do anything. Allen Robinson is not a high-end wide receiver right now, and he does not deserve to get that money that he wants at all. Like, I just had to go on a little tangent there before. Yes. The wide receiver in general, they have been disappointing. And we completely revamped the wide receiver group. We brought in guys that Matt Nagy wanted. I don't want to hear the excuse that this is Ryan Pace's fault. Our group sucks. No, these are the guys that Matt Nagy wanted. Matt Nagy wanted these speedy, small wide receivers. He's wanted this on his team for years. We get a Marquise Goodwin. We get him Demir Bird. We get him Darnell Moody's still here. We draft Daz Newsome. We bring in Jakeem Grant, Prashad Perryman. We sign in in Symbol Webster. We have the exact core that now he wants, and it's doing way worse than the core than he didn't want. I don't understand. Like they've been disappointed because now he's not doing anything about it. He's using them incorrectly. He's not. It's just it's so frustrating. And Robinson is obviously not doing what he needs to do either. So it's making everybody else look worse. It's just an absolute mess right now, wide receiver. And, and one thing I will add is is some of those concerns, problems, issues they do ultimately stem from a rookie quarterback playing like some of fields mistakes are partially in because, you know, our result of right receiver inconsistencies, but you look back and see some of the plays these past, you know, seven games or whatever we got five, 10, 180, maybe Demir bird blocking on screens. Like the, to Joe's point, exactly. Like players are being used incorrectly. We brought one of the most productive Patriots wide receivers from their team last year. And he has maybe three or four receptions on the year. And, and again, he's a wide receiver four. So I understand you don't always use that guy, but like it, these were the guys Nagy wanted to your point. And like, are there receivers that are going to be available on the trade deadline who could be good upgrades? Absolutely. There's definitely like dream scenarios that I have where it's like, you know, I like Andy Isabella from the Cardinals, Brandon cooks from the Houston Texans would be good. Like, there are definitely options, but like the bears are kind of in a situation where like they can't really trade for a guy and they probably won't because those aren't quote unquote Nagy's guys, but also the bears don't have the draft capital to go after receivers that could actually improve their wide receiver core. And that's definitely frustrating, but also the bears are in a weird spot where like they can't really be huge buyers because again, they don't have the draft capital. They don't have the cap space. 
And unless they make moves to do so, you know, bringing in better wide receivers isn't necessarily the solution. And it's, it's just very, very frustrating because I had very high hopes for a lot of these guys. I obviously thought Allen Robinson was going to be who he's been his entire NFL career. And he just hasn't been there. He's been a total ghost. I obviously am very, was very hyped around Darnell Mooney. And I think he's been fine. I don't think he's been spectacular. And again, it's not all necessarily the wide receiver room's fault, but it's just one of those things where you keep looking at this group and it just seems like nobody's open. And it's such a simple and easy thing for me to say that like, clearly it's not like the total case, but like, it just seems like sometimes every single guy is covered and there's just a lack of, you know, motivation to try and help your rookie quarterback out. And that's not necessarily like the case all the time, but I'm frustrated with the group and it, it, unless things change and, and I, maybe they will, it's not going to get better overnight. And to add one more thing, let's compare like the rookie quarterbacks and their main wide receivers. We've, we've seen Trevor Lawrence, Marvin Jones is producing maybe even better than he ever has in his career. He's been an absolute stud for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's not even a true number one wide receiver. He's been awesome. He's catching tons of passes. He's getting open. He's 31 years old too. Like he's not, it's not like he's still in the prime of his career. He's kind of getting near the end. He should be slowing down at this point, but he's having an awesome year with Trevor Lawrence. Mac Jones, he has a wide receiver core of Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, and Jacoby Myers, and he's still producing. They just put up 50-some points on the Jets. You, you have Trey Lance. He only has appeared a few times, but in the few times he has, Debo Samuel still goes off. He still gets a ton of yards and gets touchdowns. Like, still does well. Like, these rookie quarterbacks, obviously Zach Wilson different. Like, the Jets just suck. Like, their core is bad. Their, their offensive line is bad. Their core is bad. Their coaching is brand new. Like, He's sucking. They 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 know they're rebuilding right now. Bears are on the other hand. We have a guy who's been we have a coach who's been here for 2018, 2019, 2020. Now his fourth season. Got a brand new quarterback. We have the same core weapons that we've had mainly the past since last season. Darnell Mooney, Al Robinson, Dave Montgomery, Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham, all those guys. And we're still not, and he's still producing less than all these other quarterbacks. Like I don't, I don't know the numbers between him and Zach Wilson, but I'm sure they're very eerily close and it doesn't sit well with me. And then the last thing, just quickly on Matt Nagy, like it's just you kind of touched on it. This offense is so discombobulated. It seems like nobody knows what they're doing. It seems like even like the first 10 plays of the game, they're totally scripted plays. It, it looks like the Buccaneers just saw our playbook, saw the first 10 scripted plays, and just stopped us every time. Like it seems like Bill Lazor and Matt Nagy are just taking their offenses and trying to combine it and say, okay, it's going to work. But in reality, it's just not working at all. And it's making it obvious they're going to see a bill laser scheme lineup and they're going to say okay we know what this play is going to be because it's a bill laser play and then they're going to see a matt Nagy sort of scheme play lineup like okay well it's gonna be a stupid matt Nagy play where it's five curls across the field it's just a discombobulated offense right now and it's affecting everybody like, again robinson's a good wide receiver i'm not a fan of him right now at all but he is being held back by this offense and so is everybody else on this team except for obviously the running game okay so you guys Hit on a lot, obviously, and I'm just going to add this in real quick. I mean, Darnell Mooney was, without a doubt, a breakout candidate going into year two. I mean, I don't remember the last time a Bears wide receiver as a rookie at 61 receptions had as much hype around him going into his second season than Darnell Mooney had. Now, Allen Robinson's been disappointing, or disappointing would be an understatement for Allen Robinson because I think that one of the things that we were all excited about when it came to Justin Fields was that 
he did have elite ball placement and elite accuracy. And so we all thought that Allen Robinson was going to see a significant uptick in production. But the man said it himself today. He's just like, look, part of why the chemistry is basically being built on the fly is because in the offseason, Matt Nagy made him and A-Rob didn't say this portion but what he did say was hey we only had a limited number of reps in the offseason to kind of get things on the same page now part of the reason why he only had a limited number of reps is because mr matt Nagy was so concerned about being able to basically go ahead and ensure that andy dalton would be qb1 i mean I said this back in training camp, guys. I said it in August. I'm going to say the same thing again. The Bears have made such a mess of this quarterback situation. You're seeing the impacts on the offense right now. And I understand Andy Dalton's a complete afterthought in Chicago. And he's been a complete afterthought since pretty much week four. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to realize is that not giving Justin Fields the reps during training camp, they were badly needed, has continued to haunt the Bears offense even now. And then you look at these other guys like a Marquise Goodwin, a Demir Bird. I mean, you guys, Sam, you're right. The Bears overhauled the entire wide receiver room to basically go ahead and um, allow for a vertical passing game to exist. But it's just like those guys aren't being used. You know, Marquise Goodwin has never really been a top-tier wide receiver, as I get a text from a friend here about something. Marquise Goodwin's never been a top-tier wide receiver in the NFL, but he's always been a serviceable three and four. I mean, back in, I think it was 2017, 2018, he was with the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, he was not a bad wide receiver three. And those 49ers teams didn't necessarily have any wide receiver ones at the time. Goodwin was a really serviceable player. Demir Bird has bounced around the league a couple times, but had just about 50 receptions with the Patriots last year. And so ultimately, just like you look at it, the wide receivers have underwhelmed to the point where it's like heading into 2022. Can we even consider that maybe we're looking at wide receiver being the most glaring need on the offensive side of the ball. I know everyone's talking about offensive line and what's going to happen with the interior with James Daniels and Sam Mustafer. Well, James Daniels hitting free agency, Sam Mustafer not living up to expectations, but is there a chance that wide receiver ultimately is the biggest need the bears are going to have to address? Cause it's clear that some of these guys aren't getting it done. And I think what hurts even more for the bears is that, in 2021, I mean, yeah, you have Daz Newsome, but then again, it's just like Daz really, you drafted Daz Newsome, but then again, it's just like Daz really hasn't played a single meaningful rep this year. He's basically been a practice squad guy, and I think that that could be hampering him to the point where his ceiling's just going to be a punt returner. That's it. So the point is with this entire wide receiver group is that you're in a situation where it's just like, it's been underwhelming. It's been unproductive. It's certainly underperformed. And now you also wonder, okay, what impact is this having on Justin Fields development? Because again, what were the arguments that existed in 2017 guys for why Deshaun Watson was seemingly taking off, but Mitch Trubisky wasn't, it was that Mitch Trubisky didn't have any top tier wide receiver options. Whereas guys like, and I know Patrick Mahomes only played one game, but Hey, let's be real. You're delusional. If you don't think that Patrick Mahomes one year on the bench in 2017 with guys like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey being in that offense, you're delusional. If you don't think that's the, those guys played a big role into Patrick's development, 
Sean Watson had DeAndre Hopkins, right? You look at Carson Wentz. Why did Carson have such a big jump in 2017? Well, it's because he had Alshon Jeffrey as one of his wide receivers. And, you know, Alshon Jeffrey was a really solid wide receiver. So ultimately, my point is, is that when you look at this whole thing, it's just like Justin's being kind of impacted by bad wide receiver play in the same way that Mitch Trubisky was impacted by bad wide receiver play. And it's on this coaching to finally get it fixed. Is Mike Fury's a nice guy and all, but he needs to get this whole thing moving in the right direction. Well, it doesn't help that he has COVID either. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree. He's definitely a guy that I think sometimes needs to be kind of held accountable. Also, um, I think a fun game to play is uh, who can name the wide receiver core of the 2017 Chicago Bears. Um, I can remember Kendall Wright, I believe, is our leading receiver in yards, if I remember correctly. And in receptions, he looked like an all-star on that Bears offense. I think Marcus Wheaton was a receiver on our team. Uh, I know Cameron Meredith and Kevin White were both out with injuries. Um, and I think we had rookie Adam Shaheen. Can you name anybody else? Oh, um, uh, in what's his name? Don Don Yeah. Yeah. They traded for him. I remember they're like, the bears are making a move a wide receiver. It's Don Trell Inman for a conditional seventh. And I'm like, is this guy, how could you forget Josh Bellamy? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Um, yeah, no, that bears wide receiver group. Yeesh. But that's the thing. I mean, it all jokes aside, like, there's no excuse for the fact that the Bears can't be more productive with like a better wide receiver core. I would take the 2021 Bears receiving core over the 2017 one prior to the season starting. If like you gave me both those groups in week one and said, which group would you rather have? But right now I might take some of those guys in the 2017 because they weren't very good, but they were productive. Kendall Wright looks like a better receiver than Allen Robinson right now. And the dude hasn't been in the league in years. I was going to say on paper, I'd probably take like the 2021 wide receiver core, even minus Allen Robinson. That's just how bad that 2017 core was. I would take a core of Darnell Mooney, uh, Marquise Goodwin, Demir, Bird, Rashad Perryman, all over those guys. That core was horrendous. Even that trade for Don Trellman, that dude was out of the league quick after so, that, too. So fast. And like, and he was a younger guy, too. Like, he, he was you know, trade a lower draft pick for him. He was a solid route runner, big, fast, all the traits. Just didn't couldn't put it together. And I'm sure the Bears hindered his development as well. The Bears probably did, but Joe, it's my favorite time of the week. Let's hear your hot take for this week, man. Because you've been like what one for five so far? I don't even know. I Dude, I had I had the most amazing hot one to start the season. And I've I've like and that one was so specific and it still hit. And all my other ones have been way more broad. But um this one, I'm honestly like I'm going to try and say, we kind of from a statistical point of it, I'm going to say just like a few things that should happen, that could happen in the game. I'm going to say, for starters, I say, I think we see Trey Lance play more than like, obviously, outside of like the gimmicky plays that he might come in for. I think he plays. Like, I think he takes over, plays an entire drive, something like that. I think Jimmy Garoppolo struggles. Trey Lance is now considered healthy, I believe. So I think we'll see him at some point just to, you know, see the Justin Fields, Trey Lance, rookie versus rookie. Um, I think we see Khalil Herbert have a great game again. I don't know what that entails. Could be 80 yards, could be 100. I think he has a great game again. And I think we see the defense create some turnovers. I, we, we have been struggling kind of seeing that. I, I don't believe they had a turnover against the Bucs. I, I kind of zoned out the rest of the game after halftime. I couldn't care less at that point. But I think we see a few turnovers from the secondary. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance both have kind of struggled taking care of the ball. I think, I think we'll do pretty well in that aspect. And we should be able to get to the quarterback. I don't think that that's not part of the hot take. I just think once we get to the quarterback, it will create turnovers. So 
if we get to put it to the number to everything, I say we see Trey Lance for at least outside of the gimmick he plays. So at least, let's say, at least 15 plays. Um, I think Khalil Herbert gets at least 80 yards rushing. I think we create at least two turnovers. I don't know if that's necessarily a hot take. I feel like you just like listed some things that you want to happen. I feel like a hot take needs to be like the Bears have like three turnovers or something like that. I don't know. I think you're playing. Um, it, I think you're playing it safe this week. I don't know. Seeing Trey Lance for more like 15 plays is pretty hot. I guess because that's they, because they've said that that's kind of like my hot part of the thing. Like I'm trying to combine one like fairly hot take with two reasonable takes. You're taking right. like two lukewarm dishes and reheating them in the microwave and like one of it get part of it gets hot and like part of it stays cold. This is like the half of like the leftovers that remains hot is your Trey Lance take. And the second half is like the cold part of your leftovers. That's the rest of your take. I was going to say my, this take is basically like taking a, uh, a same game parlay in a bet. You're the first one's an anytime touchdown score. That's my Trey Lance. And then the other two are just over unders on like passing yards. So that's kind of that's a, <laughs> this is like this is this is a, of all three hit for for me to win my money. This is a a not scolding hot. It's like uh, Frank's red warm. hot hot. You're gonna you're gonna feel a bit of kick, but you're not gonna like need milk after or anything like that. Yeah, it's a warm take. <laughs> Maybe you should just replace show with some guy named Frank, and then we can have Frank's red hot takes like the hot sauce, but. Look, maybe Kyle Shanahan is just playing mind games with the Bears and basically saying, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start and then magically Trey Lance gets trotted out. So that's just, look, the 40, okay, so Joe, I think that, yeah, we see Trey Lance in some packages, but depending on how healthy he is, because I forgot what type of injury he has, but ultimately it's just like, if you look at Kyle Shanahan, I mean, if he had the opportunity and the chance, I'm pretty sure he'd go ahead and go with Trey Lance because Trey Lance, again, you could argue is the most hand-picked quarterback in this draft class. And what do I mean by that? I mean that you passed up on a guy that basically only played one year of FCS football. Well, let me take a step back. Let me explain it this way. If you look at the five quarterbacks, right? All of them played FBS football at a division one level. And then there was Trey Lance who basically played FCS football. Okay. At like a D two D three school. Now Trey's again, phenomenal. I did like some of his tape coming out of the draft, but being a one year starter, I was super skeptical of him. So Trey Lance is the most inexperienced quarterback in this draft class. Also, I think Illinois state just tends to kill North Dakota state quarterbacks. But ultimately when you look at this, what needs to happen is this, is that Trey playing a couple plays on Sunday would make sense. But Kyle Shanahan also just seems to be very hesitant to fully start him. But that was Herb's lukewarm takes. So I think we should just rename it that segment. I mean, another... Yeah, another weekly segment we're going to be introducing because Sam got so busy with lacrosse, he stopped cranking out content for YouTube. Give me Sam's stocks, man. What's a player whose stock is up and down going into week eight? Uh, stock up's got to be Khalil Herbert. I mean, if you can put 100 rushing yards in the number one run defense, you can absolutely gouge this Niners defense. Um, I, I love what Herbert's doing right now. I, I think, again, he's been like a very lone spot on this Bears offense in terms of like positive things to talk about. Um, I think the run scheme's definitely working, so you got to credit some of that to that. But I definitely think Herbert's stock is up. I think even when Montgomery does come back, I think we're going to see some Khalil Herbert involvement in the offense. Um, stock down, uh, Sam Mustafir. Holy smokes, has a player on this team not been called out more than him? I, I mean, I loved the guy last year. I love that he stepped up into a role that the Bears needed. And, and I think ultimately what happens sometimes is the Bears – 
have a guy step up and they don't bring anyone else to kind of challenge him for that position. They're just like, you know what? He's our guy. We'll be fine. He's not been good. And the interior has struggled because of it. I don't think the interior in general has been very good in terms of like pass blocking and stuff, but Mustafer is struggling on both ends, passing and run blocking. I mean, there's that clip going around on Twitter right now where he misses like a very clear assignment. And like, I haven't played offensive line in over a decade, but like, even I know that that's the guy you have to at least chip on that. Um, and if you don't know what clip I'm referring to, go follow me on Twitter at shy sports, Sam. I tweeted about it. Um, but I, I don't know if the bears have a necessarily great solution. I mean, obviously they could always bring in another veteran guard and move Cody Whitehair. They could utilize Alex bars. Um, you know, once there are more guys healthy, there are definitely free agent options, but until I see some improvement from him, he's clearly just not ready for the role he's in. Um, I was going to put Justin Fields in this category because um, I do think he's starting to struggle a little bit, but I am uh, Mr. Positive when it comes to Justin Fields. I think he's going to have a bounce back game, so uh, I didn't put him there. But uh, those are my stock up, stock downs. Hey, I love the stock up with Kalu Herbert. I think that if there's any player that's had an impact on the Bears right now, over the last basically two weeks, it's without a doubt been Khalil Herbert. Sam Mustafer, a guy, is a stock down as an ideal candidate, too. I mean, going into the offseason and going into the season, too, Sam Mustafer, I think, flashed enough potential. And Sam, you and I were doing this pod last year, too, as the Barely Hibernating podcast, to the point where we legitimately talked about, hey, is there a chance that... Sam Mustafer is the next coming of oil and crews in the sense that the bears would finally have that stable presence and leader on the offensive line who would be here for whatever 13, 14 seasons. Ultimately that hasn't happened yet. And so Sam, it's just like, you know what the issue with Sam is this is it's just like he added muscle in the off season, but it wasn't enough to warrant being a top tier center in the NFL because he lacks the strength he also lacks functional strength. Too many times he's getting pushed back. He doesn't have the strongest anchor either. And then you just continue to see, okay, Sam is just struggling and struggling and struggling with these offensive play calls. And in turn, what I mean by offensive play calls, I mean just what adjustments is that center supposed to make at the line? That's the type of stuff that Sam's struggling with. And maybe it's going to prompt the Bears into seriously looking into making a change. And this is, I think, the good thing about Larry Borum coming back is now maybe you go ahead and you switch gears and you say, all right, so what if we put Alex Bars at right guard and then Larry Borum at right tackle? Well, then what does that do? That gives you the possibility of Jason Peters, James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, and then Alex Bars and Larry Borum. Now, that would kind of make sense because, again, Cody Whitehair, he's – been a center since basically 2016 right his rookie season and he's just been the most solid and stable presence the bears have had so it would make more sense for perhaps the bears to just go back to that why they keep switching cody white hair out and moving him all over the place is just beyond me because it's one of the few things on this offensive line that has worked over the last couple seasons yeah the only other thing i'll add and then jaw i'll let you go because i know you wanted to go there but i i remembered something too it's one of those things where I do remember talking about Lucifer last year and just like how positive we are for him. But like the center is probably the second most important position on the offensive line outside of left tackle. And like he is the captain of that offensive line. He calls out things. He calls out like schemes. The defenses are happening. And he's the guy who obviously gets the ball to the quarterback. You can't play offense without him. 
but you're seeing him make like very simple mistakes and it affects how James Daniels and Cody White, your play and respond. Because if there's miscommunication, if somebody misses a block, if someone misses an assignment, it affects everybody else. And that's very frustrating because again, the bears have the bears thrive on guys who can play multiple positions. I get that. And I respect that, but most of you are like, it just, it's not clicking yet. And ultimately it's causing Justin Fields to be one, to be the most sacked quarterback in the NFL amongst a lot of other things. I'm not saying it's just his fault, but like we can't run to the inside as much because of it. And, and like, that's a problem too. Like the buck keyed in on that pretty quickly and they took advantage of the weakness in the offensive line. And, and that's within the interior. Now I'm not saying that there's necessarily like a strength. I think it would be Jason Peters, but like, I don't think the guy's ready. And ultimately the bears once again, don't really have a plan for how to fix it. Yeah. Just to touch on kind of Mustafer, I big fan of his in terms of a hard worker, good dude. He's smart. He's, he's a good solid center. He's too small though. He's too weak. When he faces a guy like Vita Vea, it's just, it's not, he's not going to do anything. He's going to manhandle all game. And you can't have that kind of risk with a guy like that at center. And even then, it seems like when he knows he's against Vita Vea, he makes more mental mistakes because he's just thinking about how am I going to stop this mammoth of a dude who's more athletic than me. I kind of addressed it in the offseason a bunch of my articles, Twitter a lot. We did need to address center this offseason. I don't think Sam Musfer is a solid starting center. He's a below average, like a good placeholder if you have a young guy who needs to learn to develop. Maybe the Bears have another plan in place with like maybe Alex Barr is going to guard, someone else moving to center, but He's not the guy. They need to change something up there, and I would like to see some change there. I don't like – again, I don't like seeing complacency by this Bears offense of no change whatsoever, like no change on the offensive line, no change on wide receiver. Like all we did was trade for Jakeem Grant and name Justin Fields the starter. Like that's all we've really done and have injuries. So and I would like to see some change. Like I said, it would be nice to see Mus- – or not Mustafa. It would be nice to see Whitehair go back to center again. He's not as good there, but – if it's best for the team, move him there, put Bars back to guard. And Bars looked good in his limited time at right tackle. He looked a lot better than Simmons did, that's for sure. So I, I just want to see what's best for the team. And Mustafer isn't that. He doesn't need to be cut necessarily. He's an amazing backup center at that point because he's smart and he knows the offense. But they do need to move on from him and change up the, this offensive line in some way. Well, let me – okay, so let me say this. Is that yes – Cody Whitehair's more natural position would be playing either left guard or right guard. But then ultimately, Joe, it's like you alluded to. I mean, it's one of the few things that's worked for the Bears and one of the few things that's worked for pretty much what's been a shaky offensive line for three seasons now. And so ultimately, it's just like, just make the switch. Some people may absolutely hate it, but I was always of the opinion that maybe the Bears offensive line, I was always of the opinion, was just better when Cody Whitehair was playing at center. And quite frankly, it's just like, one of the big issues is that, and I tweeted this yesterday, I'm like, this Bears offense is so broken to the point where it just seems like no player, no coach, no scheme, no play caller is even going to make anything effective. And when something starts to work, the Bears just continue to move away from it. So the point is, it's just like, give basically San Francisco and then Pittsburgh, and then you have a bye week, and then you're playing the Ravens in Detroit twice within a four-day span to kind of round out November. So just go ahead and go back to Cody White here at center and just make the change because there is a chance that the Bears can still make somewhat of a push for the playoffs sitting here at three and four. Is it still going to be an uphill battle? Yes. This team basically backed itself into a corner where losses to Los Angeles 
Green Bay and then Tampa Bay are going to basically have Chicago playing a playoff game on the road. Yeah, but there's going to be hidden advantages, and we'll discuss that next week. But before we get out of here, guys, Sam, I'm going to go to you first. Bears 49ers this week. Go ahead and give me a score prediction. And then is this the week the Bears get back on track with a win? Because the 49ers have lost four straight after starting 2-0. and um, No, I do not think the Bears get on track. I don't mean to be a pessimist here, but I have a few reasons. Um, I think this is going to be a very sloppy game. Uh, I just think the Niners are plagued right now with injuries, and I just don't think they look that good. Um, but the Bears don't currently have their head coach. Now, I know you can say what you want about Matt Nagy, but unless uh, I believe Chris Tabor is taking over responsibilities right now, uh, unless the Bears interim head coach pulls something out of his hat and the Bears find a way to win this game, it's hard to win a game without your head coach, ultimately, even if your head coach is Matt Nagy. Um, I think the 49ers are definitely a beatable team. Um, I think the bears will definitely hopefully have some guys coming back. Uh, obviously you mentioned the beginning of the podcast, Larry Boren, potentially, um, as well as hopefully some of those guys on the COVID list, but we'll see, um, as well as guys like Akeem Hicks, who did not play because of his groin. Um, but until the bears can show anything on offense, I just don't think that they're a team that can win games right now. And I think my score prediction right now, I have Niners. 20 bears, 14. I think this is going to be a battle of defenses. I, I think it's going to be a close game, a game the bears are going to win, but too many mistakes and just an overall lack of production on the offense. I think it's going to cost the bears. Once again, um, I would love to be proven wrong and love to be here on Tuesday next week and talk about how wrong I was, but until we can actually see some real improvements on the offense. And, and again, it's going to come down to who has more healthy players. I mean, the Bears can't be throwing out guys like Latavius Simmons at right tackle the day of a game. There needs to be a better plan. And I know obviously they had to do that, but like that's the stuff I'm talking about. You're throwing out a seventh round rookie from 2020 who's not very good and clearly not ready for the NFL and expecting him to just play in a full game against one of the best defenses in the league. It's stuff like that that makes me not think the Bears can win this game. The Niners are definitely a beatable team. I will say that. I think they can get after Jimmy Garoppolo, but until I see it on Sunday, I, I, I'm not convinced. First, I'm going to say, the thing is they didn't have to play Simmons a right tackle, and that's just the most frustrating. They had Alex Bars, who's been practicing with the team all season, and then they decide, you know what? They have the game. Let's bring up LeChavie Simmons, throw him in there, see what happens. Maybe it'll work. Like, maybe I'll outsmart them. That's the Matt Nagy move. Let's outsmart everybody. Just had to touch on that first. I just thought that was absolutely hilarious. And from the snap, I was like, why is Alex Bars not in? Finally, it took him a full quarter to realize that Simmons sucks. Pretty sure he had a zero pass blocking right on PFF, which I've never seen before. But Bars was, Bars was solid. Besides the point, um, I think the, the fan of me says this could be the week Bears got on track. If Nagy misses the game, I honestly think we have a better chance of winning this game. Like, obviously, Nagy sucks. It's hard to win games without your head coach, though. And I think. Without him, I think Laser calls the offense that he wants with no Nagy changing it up and saying, oh, I don't like that play, blah, blah, and having a say. Laser calls what he wants. It, he develops a sort of rhythm with it. The Bears get a decent offense going. They get a run game going. They kind of get hyped up because they're doing something. They stop my defense. We cause Jimmy Garoppolo to go crazy. Trey Lance gets thrown in during the middle of the game, third quarter, whatever. And we have a shot because they made a quarterback change. They weren't ready. They're, they're flustered. They're all banged up like you were saying. The fan of me says it's very possible. But the analyst of me says the Bears have, like you've said, shown no sign of hope on this offense outside of the running game. So I honestly think this game could 
like I said, it can go either way. I agree it'll be a very low-scoring game. My prediction is 17-13, 49ers win. Again, I totally think it's possible that we win this game. It is very, very, very possible with how banged up they are, and the matchup itself is a very favorable matchup on both sides of the ball with a questionable offensive line, our great pass rush, their quarterback who has been making a ton of mistakes lately, and both the quarterbacks are not 100%. They've been banged up this season. It's very possible that we win this game. But I don't see it happening with Matt Nagy as our coach. Well, okay, so I'm going to be in the minority here. I do think the Bears have a chance at winning this game simply because what you have is this is you're hoping that this week you get Robert Quinn back and then hopefully he's ready and good to go. And I think, look, one of the big issues with the Bears as we begin to wrap up here against Tampa Bay was that the offense was, yeah, you could argue at full strength. But then the issue was that the defense was missing players like Akeem Hicks as well as Robert Quinn. Two guys who, again, you know, they're getting older, but both of them have kind of been difference makers for the Bears. I mean, Akeem Hicks' presence alone makes the linebackers expend the ball and allows players like Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack, as well as Quinn to basically just do their own thing and get after the quarterback. When you take that big piece away, well, then you've got issues galore. But the point I think is this, is that do the Bears suck? Yeah. Do the 49ers suck? Absolutely. Would I take Justin Fields as a rookie over Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, because Justin, I think, has a higher ceiling. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo, we've kind of seeing what he is at this point right and then this 49ers defense i don't think people are talking about on twitter like okay yeah it's a really good defense i watch if you watch 49ers calls on sunday night it was a defense that it's not as great as it seems it's pretty much it seems like okay so do they have players like fred warner as well as nick bosa players like D Ford, do they fly to the football yet? But then again, it's just like it's kind of a suspect secondary. It's also when you look at it, it is a unit. It's an offense for the 49ers where they tried to go so run heavy, and the Bears have been pretty good at defending the run this year. They Jimmy Garoppolo unfortunately hasn't been able to get it done through the year. So is this a game where it's going to be incredibly low scoring and the Bears defense is going to keep them in it? Yeah, it's going to be up to the offense to figure things out. 110%. So I'm going to go ahead and say um Bears 20, 49ers 14. The Bears end up winning by six, and Cairo Santos continues his field goal win streak because I just do not see a way where the Bears are going to lose three straight games here. Oh, I can definitely see the Bears losing three straight games here. I mean, they did it last year. They made it very clear that it's possible. I definitely do think that the Niners are a beatable team. I'm not going to disagree with that. Uh, when I was looking at the schedule prior to the season starting, I, I wrote this game in as a, hey, this is a game the Bears could potentially win. And especially with how the Niners have played and losing four straight in a row, like I definitely think the Bears can pull away with the win here. But I just I haven't seen enough on offense. And and even if I do think the Bears get some key pieces back on defense, like defense can't keep you in a game forever. I, I hope you're right. I, I would love to see the Bears come back and get a win. I, I like to see my team win games. Um, even though I'm very negative about them right now, but I just, I don't see it happening. Yeah. And I, like I said, I can see it happening in any way. You just never know how the game shakes out, especially with both teams being sort of banged up and especially with the Bears having all these COVID issues, you just never know what can happen in that kind of game. And they're having their own issues as well. Like they're, they're having their issues with their quarterback concerns. Like they, they're, they're, they start off two and out. They lost four straight. Uh, they're looking to finally win again. And honestly, it, I, as much as it sucks to say, it might be better for this team to lose this game, for the Bears to lose this game. Just 
the worse we do, the more chance Matt Nagy gets fired midseason. And that is honestly the best case scenario at this point, which sucks to say, but it really is. Well, Matt Nagy's not going to get fired midseason because if the Bears waited till the end, and you guys got to rest that narrative as well, late to bed, okay, is that if the Bears waited until the very end of the season to fire Lovey Smith, Mark Trustman, as well as John Fox, they're going to wait till the end of the season for Matt Nagy. But listen, the season's continuing. We're going to be here too, breaking down articles on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. So check out Fireside Bears, guys, on those platforms. Check out myself, Sam, and Joe on Twitter at Usaid Koshal, at Joseph Herf NFL, and at Shy Sports Sam. We'll be back next week, guys. Bear down. Have a great rest of your week. I'm going to be at Bears 49ers on Sunday. Should be there around. 8 a.m. So if you see me in the parking lot, guys, I'll be in the south lot. Come say hi to me before I kind of head in there to uh, cover the game. If not, that's totally okay. But hope to see some of y'all there. I appreciate all the support for that you guys have given us on this podcast. As Sam and I kind of close in on the one-year anniversary of it, we're going to start posting bets on the Fireside Bears Twitter page. But bear down, ladies and gentlemen. Peace out. We'll catch you guys next week as we prepare for Bears Steelers on Monday Night Football. Have a good one guys. Bear down. Bear down.